Welcome to Beyond Politics, broadcast on WKXL and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Matt Robeson, and today I joined legendary West Virginia radio broadcaster Howard Monroe once again on his program to talk about the January 6th insurrection of 2021 and everything that's unfolded since then. But we started off with a quick conversation about blackberries. Here's Howard Monroe. I'll bet our former congressional uh, staffer and campaign consultant, Matt Rose. I'll bet you had a BlackBerry once upon a time, Matt, didn't you? I was so addicted to my BlackBerry. You, you want to know my best BlackBerry story? I wooed my wife via BlackBerry. After, really? After, yeah, after we met. I went, on, I went on a congressional trip, and I was gone for like eight days, got back, and the first thing I wanted to do was send her along email, you know, girl I just met, and uh, I did it all with my thumbs. I literally hit the limit. In those days, there was a limit on how much you could input because the BlackBerry could only hold so much in an email, and I hit the limit sending her an email, and I guess I guess I did something eloquent or I didn't mess up too bad because we ended up married. Oh, that's, she said, the guy who can type with his thumbs. My thumbs were sore, man. That was a long email. It was exciting to get my first BlackBerry. This is what a step up that was from the Razor phone, you know. Well, they were they were great, and uh, you know what used to happen in the in so each party has a cloak room. It's kind of like a lounge that you can step into off of the floor of the House of Representatives, and for a while they had what they called a BlackBerry patch. It was it was where all the chargers were lined up, where you could put your BlackBerry. There were all these rules around BlackBerry, and it became actually very important, you know, as you were alluding to with Chairman Ney. It was was very important post-9-11 as a communications system. And then, of course, we started getting alerts when there were security problems, when they put up all that security after 9-11. So BlackBerry's occupied kind of a sneakily important part of congressional culture for a long time. Matt, what I wanted to talk about today was something that happened a year ago this week, and that was what I still call the insurrection, the events of January 6, 2021, the attack on democracy. These are all my phrases. Some of my listeners get mad at me when I use these words, but that's the way I looked at it. Have we really recovered yet from what happened on January 6th of last year? We have not recovered, and in many ways, the condition is getting worse. First of all, I I want to say this in I want to say this in kind of an open-minded and inviting way, not in a not in a negative way to people who disagree with the use of the word insurrection. And I hear you. I really do. I understand that that there are there are strong feelings on this. I'm not I, I'm not trying to pick a fight on this, but. I would just invite you to look up the dictionary definition of an insurrection. And it's awfully hard to come up with a better one than what happened on January 6th, 2021. Let's not forget that five people died. 150 plus police officers were injured in the violence. The violence was aimed at stopping the peaceful transfer of power in a democracy in the United States of America. That is the definition of an insurrection. And so 
you know, I, I, but that's the very fact that a year later we have to start a discussion by once again going through was it an insurrection, was it not, goes to show that the condition has gotten worse. What we find when we look at polling today is just 26% of Republicans think that the protesters who entered the Capitol were mostly violent. The rest say they were mostly peaceful. And why has the condition gotten worse? It's because the right-wing media has pushed a propaganda line very, very hard. And again, you can see the result in polling. Republicans who watch Fox News are 15 points more likely to say that the people who attacked the Capitol were mostly peaceful. Non-Fox News watching Republicans, I don't know who they are, but there are some, are 16 points more likely to say that those insurrectionists were mostly violent. So what has happened over time is that people's views have solidified and they have drifted generally into a, a partisan lockup where Republicans, by and large, dismiss. They don't want to call it an insurrection. They call it mostly peaceful, which anyone with a pair of eyes who looks at the video, it's, it's baffling. And they dismiss it. They don't fundamentally see it as an attack on the government and and all of us as the United States of America and Democrats do. And that in itself is a major problem. It's a gigantic problem, but it is the ultimate it's the ultimate end game of much of the Trump era, which was to to get people to not believe their lying eyes, to not believe what they see. I mean, there are not dozens, but hundreds and hundreds of videos that go around this country from that day. Uh, some are, you know, sort of official videos. Some are media videos. Many are just parts of videos from folks who were there. And at the time, who proudly put up their videos of what they had done. It's clear this was not a peaceful protest. These were not tourists just taking a nice look at Statuary Hall. I mean, it's clear. You, you can't look at it and think anything else. And yet, and yet, we have these polling numbers, these frightening polling numbers, at the high percentage of Republicans who believe that it was just a, uh, a peaceful protest. It really was not an attack on democracy. And yet, that's exactly what it was there for. I mean, the point of it was to stop the election. That's stop the steal was the name of the whole rally, if you will. It's frightening. Well, if it was such a peaceful protest, why have 725 people been charged, 31 people already in jail, and the key attackers are still the Justice Department is still trying to figure out what major charge to bring against them. Why were 150 police officers injured? Why did five people die? Why were the protesters chanting, hang Mike Pence? Why, as has come to light through the work of the January 6th investigating committee, the bipartisan investigating committee, I must point out, why were 
Fox News hosts and Donald Trump's children desperately calling, desperately begging him to say something while he sat there and watched, literally sat there and watched. Why were they begging him to intervene to prevent the violence? They know full well just how devastatingly bad this was. They knew the whole time they knew. And then they went on the air and they, you know, pushed the the Fox News. It's sort of the the child of the big lie. If the original big lie was that the election was stolen, the, 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 the child of that lie is, and then the events of January 6th were no big deal. And when I say that things have gotten worse, what I mean is that a new poll from the University of Maryland shows that about 40% of Republicans and independents say that violent action against the government is sometimes justified. It's the highest number in terms of overall percentage of Americans who say that, that they've ever seen in that poll. And what you see across the board is that the number of Americans who believe that President Biden's victory was legitimate is only two-thirds of us, only 65% of Americans, and that's down. So it's not just that views have become set in stone, have become locked in between the parties. It's that they're trending in the wrong direction, and there's a growing acceptance of the big lie and a growing rejection of the idea that the way we solve our problems in this country is through the majesty of our constitution and democratic process, not by taking to the streets in violence. But that's where we are. You know, there were there were a number of Trump staffers, administration members, and even a couple of cabinet members who immediately resigned, left the administration right after January 6th, I think some on January 6th, and said, this is it, I can't take this anymore. Clearly, this is wrong. We're in the wrong place. And made their statements, you know, within a couple of days about how bad it was. And many members of Congress disavowed the president's actions and all this sort of stuff. But now, a year later, we're not hearing from them. Now, a year later, those folks who shortly after nine, after January 6th were, were condemning the acts, condemning the president, now they've suddenly become quiet. Donald Trump scares people. Yeah, that that's absolutely true and to build on that, it th- there's a trickle down to the state level to the local level and you can see it in two basic ways. One is that the the Democrats compiled a list. They they actually tried to look at this because they thought right after this happened, they thought this is disqualifying. Anyone who was a part of this, who condoned this or participated in it, they should have no role in public life in America. This, this is a defining thing. You're either, you're either with democracy or you should not be part of government. It would be like, it would be like running for, for government, you know, as a, as an openly declared fascist. And so they compiled a list. 21. State-level lawmakers across America who either attended the rally or were part of the demonstration on the Capitol ground. There were another 600 who 
sign letters or briefs calling to overturn results of the 2020 election. That's about 15% of all state-level Republican lawmakers. But in the year since that list was compiled, nothing bad has happened to those folks. As a matter of fact, when you review that group of Republican lawmakers has thrived. And so that's that's one sign that what you're saying is is absolutely true that there's been no no blowback or follow up to, you know, from those folks. The other thing is that all of the efforts and maybe you want to get into this in a minute about kind of looking forward, but all of the efforts to try to relitigate the 2020 election and make the next time worse have been moving, and it's because of these Republican legislators in at the state level. And so what we've seen is 24 new state laws that allow Republican-led legislatures to go in after an election or beforehand and remove election officials for no cause, to overturn results, to monkey with the administration of elections to put their thumb on the scale so that, you know, Democrats have a harder time voting, so that results from Democratic majority areas are more carefully scrutinized or thrown out. And so this entire, if the foundation of all of this was Donald Trump's big lie, the big lie is on the march. The big lie is succeeding. It's working. And and, it's and, growing. And support support for it is is growing. There's, I mean, the the numbers show that quite 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 clearly. We're talking to Matt Robeson. Matt is a former campaign consultant, a congressional staffer, and our one of our political analysts here on the Watchdog Morning Show about January sixth. But let's let's all right. So January sixth, twenty twenty one. It came. It went. It is still being dissected. It is still being disbelieved by some, but the House committee is at least pulling some information out. They say they're going to release some of their findings in the near future. But let me ask you this, Matt. Was it one and done, or is it something we have to be more vigilant about as we look forward? And the reason is basically everything you and I were just saying, which is that the conditions that led to the insurrection are on the march. The belief in the big lie is growing. The the infrastructure of insurrection, the the laws that lead to monkeying with elections, with, with Republicans being able to overturn and subvert election results, are moving forward. And the penalty that Democrats thought that anyone connected with the insurrection would pay has not come up. The corporations who said that they would not support anyone involved in the insurrection have quietly resumed giving politically, giving donations to those folks and supporting them. They got the headlines. They got the headlines, and now they're back to giving money where they chose to. That's right. And voters don't seem particularly interested in this issue. The, the, the The problem for Democrats in many ways is that from the Democrats' standpoint, like I said, this is a disqualifying event. This is this is like someone coming out. This is like saying that you're David Duke coming out as a Nazi. This is a this is just a fundamental watershed thing 
you are if you are associated with the insurrection, it it should just be it should be a no brainer that you should not be a part of of public life. And yet, a really interesting. I know I've hit you with a lot of polling results, but you know another one that I think really flew under the radar from the last week is that Politico and Morning Consult did a survey and found that 47% of voters say that January 6th will have no impact at all on who they vote for in the midterms. 31%, only 31%, probably mostly Democrats, say that it'll have a major impact. And so there's no there's no penalty. There's no sanction. And the conditions for an even bigger rigging by Republicans of the next election are in place. And the final thing I'll say, I know I've been on your show before and talked about my Newsweek article about why 2024 will be even worse. And everything I've, I, I said in that article a few months ago, I continue to think is true and has only become more true. All of the conditions are in place for the next time to be much worse with, with really disastrous outcomes for all of us, for, for the country and for democracy. And so I'm, I, I, I try, I really try to be a happy warrior and a sunny optimist on most issues. On this one, I am not upbeat. We had, in conjunction with, with the things you were saying, we had the three retired uh, military generals about a month ago who wrote an op-ed for the WAPO warn, warning about 2024, warning about their concern that the chain of command can be broken, that even folks in the military, some folks in the military, are are not are, – are, are part of the believers that it's time to make some changes. They believe we need to – take some kind of proactive steps to try and prohibit this, to try and get a, the chain of command back under control and so on. I mean, it's frightening. We, I tend to think of the military at least as a unified body, but it isn't. And we saw some of that during the insurrection, um, and we're hearing more and more about it now. Members of the military, ex-members of the military, who uh, are, are are part of the, I don't know what you want to call it, the, the stop the steal, you know, January 6th type type activity. It, it is a, it is a very depressing thing to look at. It is and it, it's there's there is a good news version of this and a not so good news version of this. The good news version of it is that brave people with integrity, many of them Republicans like Brad Raffensperger, the Secretary of State of Georgia, stood firm in 2020 and it was on the strength of their backbone and integrity, a far worse outcome was averted. And you saw it in the Michigan Board of Elections, and you saw it in Georgia, and you saw it with some members of the military who said flat out, you know, we are we are affirming we are not going to intervene here. And you saw it in Mike Pence, who we now know with documentary evidence was presented with options to overturn an American election and essentially have a constitutional coup and said, no, I'm not going to do that. The thing is that our system ultimately does come down to people. And we've seen in history, look, we we prevented World War III in several instances because military officers who you've never heard of in some lonely command center in both the Soviet Union and the United States 
got a signal, hey, the bombs are on the way, and they said, no, 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 I'm not going to turn the key and launch right. because I don't believe it, and their their caution is what saved all of us. And we still are, to some extent, with our democracy, relying on people like that. The problem is that the layers of protection around them in our laws are getting thinner and thinner, and that is a real cause for concern. Well, the Raffensperger effect, specifically him and others, are are already under attack. They may not be around the next time. There are people who are trying to take that position uh, from him to, that would that say what we would have done is we would have gone when Trump called and said, "Find me some votes." We would have found them. I mean, we can't count on. We were lucky, I guess, in, in the last circumstance. We can't count on that luck again, which I think is why Chuck Schumer just in the last 24 hours or so, has really been trying to put the revision of election laws front and center once again, trying to get them passed, maybe only with the 51 votes in, in the Senate. Although he's going to run up against Joe Manchin again, probably. But, I mean, I, those issues, the election issues, are some that don't resonate with the general public like child care tax credit does. You know, the election issues are a little more complicated and so you don't have a lot of the public going, yeah, let's do that. You have activists saying it, but you don't have a lot of the general public. But I think Schumer is, is going to try to make a push to get some changes made. I just don't know that he can do it in the Senate. Yeah, it's the Churchill strategy, which is, you know, Winston Churchill said, Americans always do the right thing after they've tried every other alternative. And, you know, we've spent the last year sort of trying every other alternative. And there was a legitimate attempt to pass H.R. 1, which was you know, it was a flawed bill, but they did try that, and they've been working on Senators Mansion and Cinema in terms of the filibuster when it comes to voting rights. So there has been activity, but I I do think that Democrats in the Senate have have come around to the idea of this is it, this is our one chance, and we're not going to run on it, and it's not going to be this isn't something that we're going to see front and center in in thirty second ads. I don't think in the fall of 2022, but it's an absolute must do. We're talking about saving the country, and I, I'm not being hyperbolic about that. I, I don't, I don't mean to to be all lofty about it, but the 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 way we vote, that is it. That is the foundation of everything. And if it can be so nakedly, brazenly manipulated as Republicans and state legislatures are trying to do by suppressing the vote and subverting the vote, then we do not have a democracy left. And so it's an absolute must-do. And look, Senator Manchin has said that he supports renewing the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. And, I, you know, I, I, I think they're going to give it – they're going to give it a real try. And there is some traction on the right, believe it or not, when it comes to reforming the Election Count Act of 1887, which was part of what got us into so much trouble in the presidential election this last time around, and, and, and that would be a good thing to fix, too. So maybe, maybe we can get this done, but I don't, I don't think it's going to be like an election messaging issue. I saw a tweet just this morning. Uh, I don't think it was from anybody in particular, but it was, just, it was a tweet, and it said, I don't think a lot of people understand what attack on democracy really means, and I, I, I think that's, that's probably true. Matt, I gotta move on. Uh, people can find out, can listen to you, Great Ideas Podcast, Beyond Politics Podcast. 
you do write for Newsweek and Alternet and a number of other places. We'll find you there. And probably the easiest way for listeners to follow you is to, like, follow you on Twitter. Twitter, and it's not Robinson. Yeah, <laughs> check that out and follow Matt. And when there are new podcasts up or new articles up, you'll get an alert to it on, on Matt's Twitter feed. Matt, I have to run. I'm dramatically behind time, and Biff is going to really hit me with a big stick if I don't get to the newscast, though. Have a great um, New Year. Thanks for joining us this morning. Always appreciate your input and your insight, and we'll do it again in the near future, I guarantee you. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot. Matt Robeson, former campaign consultant and uh, congressional staffer, political analyst, podcaster, and with us on a frequent basis. That's it for Beyond Politics on WKXL. Please don't forget to hit that subscribe button. It really does help us out. 